this isn't that kind of program. Such diet plans already exist, and they work well for some people. For example, I've known lots of women who have used my walking program in conjunction with the food plans offered by Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers. They've had great results. I'm not a doctor or a licensed nutritionist, and I don't pretend to offer a food plan as thorough or comprehensive as those just mentioned. If that's what you think you need, I encourage you to seek them out. If, however, you are looking for simple common sense to help you jettison some bad old habits and effortlessly develop good new ones, then you've come to the right place. Welcome. Have I got some good news for you? Over the past few years, we have seen revolutions in both the science of nutrition and the development of weight loss strategies, and those are going to make our lives a lot better. After decades of fad diets and bum science, we have finally reached a point where we know that eating fat won't necessarily make us fat, and starving ourselves won't make us slim. We know that common sense eating and an active lifestyle are what keep us beautiful, and that few foods are off the table when it comes to planning a diet. With this knowledge, you can customize your own weight loss plan—one that is easier, more flexible, and more effective than you ever imagined possible. And this program will show you how. I want to help you make food a more delicious and exciting part of your life. I know that sounds strange for a weight loss program, but this isn't any ordinary program. After hearing from so many fans of my walking book, audio book, and videos who struggle with overeating, I realize there is a fundamental problem with many food diets. They're about rejection, about denying yourself enjoyment, and that is a very tough road to hoe. I thought about what methods I use to keep myself eating sensibly. And I realized that the secret is learning to love food more, to approach it with reverence and celebration. Anything approached with reverence is less likely to be abused. Think about the act of saying grace before a meal. Partly, this is to give thanks to God for providing the food, but it also serves to get our attention, to make us more conscious of the goodness of the food. I even think it makes food taste better. And I believe this act of developing a more intentional relationship with food, loving it, savoring it, and not taking it for granted, can actually make us eat less and enjoy it more. We'd like to think that we already eat intentionally. Unfortunately, most of us are in a lot less control than we'd like to be, even those making a concerted effort to diet. Tell me if this scenario sounds familiar. You did the weekly shopping a couple of days ago and loaded up on healthy food, straight out of the low-carb diet book you've been reading. Tonight you'll make chicken breast with sun-dried tomatoes, broccoli on the side, plus a salad—a healthy meal for the whole family. Despite your best intentions, though, things don't go as planned. You run a little late at work. By the time you get home, it's nearly six o'clock. The kids are starving. You're starving. Everyone needs a nibble while you start dinner. What's ready to go? Chips, maybe cheese and crackers or honey roasted peanuts. Within minutes, an entire tub of peanuts and a two-liter bottle of Coke have disappeared while you pulled ingredients out of the fridge. Now it's almost six thirty, and you've got to bake chicken breasts, 
wash, chop, and steam broccoli, dice sun-dried tomatoes, and so on. You're looking at an hour until dinner. And your son has a basketball game in 30 minutes. Even the prospect of washing and spinning the lettuce seems like a pain. On the other hand, there are two frozen sausage pizzas in the freezer that can be ready in 10 minutes. You know which choice your husband would prefer. Problem solved. Except this is actually problem created. Even though you made perfectly rational decisions, you had to tie things up at work before leaving, you were too pooped to make a whole meal, and you had to get something in your son before he disappeared. The result is that you and your family wound up eating a meal that contributes to weight gain, diabetes, heart disease, and other problems. This is just one example of the many compromises we make and habits we fall into in the course of our daily lives. None of these choices seems especially terrible in itself, but taken together over the course of years, they add up to an obesity epidemic. No amount of knowing that we should choose the salmon and brown rice over the burger and fries is going to solve this, because it isn't a question of knowledge or intentions. There are times in our lives when we are on the ball, when we have an extra hour and use it to create a beautiful, nurturing meal for the whole family, or when we order the grilled chicken salad in a restaurant and manage to escape without succumbing to dessert or scarfing down the entire basket of rolls. When our energy is good, we're all capable of making good food decisions. The slips happen when we're tired, starving, rushed, or simply overwhelmed by temptation. Those moments are going to happen to all of us from time to time. The trick is to learn to head them off at the pass whenever possible, and to have healthier, equally convenient solutions at hand when those moments do strike. Learning such tricks.